good morning. Welcome to College Heights Christian Church. My name is Cy Huffer, and I am one of the ministers here at College Heights, and we are truly ecstatic that you guys came here today to join us at worshiping Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If you're a guest here with us, we just want to say thank you and welcome, and thank you for coming. It's great having you here. Um, we'd love to connect with you any way that we can, as Aaron has talked about earlier, and we hope, uh, hope to see you again and get to know you a little bit more. We've been in a series over the next several weeks called Discovering Justice. And it's the last chapters of this long study we've been doing since Christmas on the book of Isaiah. I mean, last Christmas we started looking at Isaiah through the lens of this idea of waiting and how God's people are called to wait actively but patiently for the Lord's coming. And then we moved into this idea of these four confessions that we have to make in order to be rescued. And then this next series in the book of Isaiah was this thing called New Thing, that God wants to do a new thing in your life. And then the last several weeks have been God revealing his heart to us and his heart for justice in this world to be done. And we've been discovering lots of things over the last several weeks. And every week that we've been studying God's heart for justice, we've been able to highlight one of the organizations in our community that we as a church have partnered with to help be the hands and feet of Jesus in Joplin. We've talked about organizations like Life Choices and God's Resort and Water Gardens that give beds for the homeless and help people, families who are going through a tough situation, make healthy decisions and help people in transitional housing and the neighborhood Lifehouse ministry. It's an outpost in a neighborhood that's uh, showing the love and hope of Jesus in that local place. And it's been fun highlighting all of these community partners, but we've been highlighting them for a specific purpose. And that is because we want all of us this upcoming Saturday to be a part of what we're calling Serve Our Partners Day. That's this Saturday, April 27th, Saturday morning. We are going to be partnering with organizations in our community to be the hands and feet of Jesus in Joplin. And if you want to serve, maybe this is your first time here, you're like, hey, I'd like to get to know and serve the homeless and help uh, the shelter at Water Gardens or help those in transitional housing or help those in a neighborhood make a difference. I'd love to be able to serve and get to know these different organizations. Join us. We'd love to have you be a part of this. If you can uh, join, if you've been here for 10 years or 10 minutes, we'd love to have you here. And so uh, what you can do is contact Josh Beck at that uh, email address. This is not a joke like last week where Aaron Wheeler kept putting people's faces up and telling you to contact them for different things. We literally want you to contact Josh, okay? Okay, so contact Josh, uh, sign up your family or a small group or a group of families. You can serve together and serve a partner's day. You can also go out into the atrium directly outside these doors at the sign-up counter, and Josh Beck will be there in the flesh. You'll be able to talk to him there, look up to him because he's tall. Um, and so you can get involved with Serve Our Partners Day and be a part of uh, God doing some cool work with our partners in our community this Saturday. There's a question that a lot of us end up asking on a regular basis. And it's this, it's this simple question. How do I get the new without letting go of the old? Like, how do I get this new thing without letting go of the old? We ask this in all different areas of our lives, don't we? How do I get the new body I want to keep the old eating habits that I love? <laughs> um, okay. Okay, I'll tell that story. Okay. Yep, here it is. Okay, so uh, um, <laughs> uh, a couple years ago, I was doing this kind of new diet eating thing. I was going to do really good. And, and this whole idea of getting the new but not letting go of the old, it was really hard for me to grasp. And so I wanted to do a concrete thing. 
I can't believe I'm telling you this. Um, I had a picture of a, a guy with a six-pack, and I had it on my phone. And before I ate every meal, I would look at that and go, okay, come on, son, you can do this. Let's go. It wasn't me, obviously. It was someone else. Okay. And so I'm at this restaurant, and uh, I'm, you know, I, I looked at it before I ordered my food. And I was like, come on, son. So I got my food, and afterwards I was getting ready to pay. And they said, hey, you know, there's a rewards program you can have with this where, you know, on your phone you can scan, and every time you come in you get free, you know, meals. I was like, oh, great. And I was like, hey, show me how it works. And I opened my, my phone, and the, the server looked at the last thing that I was looking at, which was a man with a shirt off. So, okay. <laughs> Moving on. How do I <laughs> focus, sigh. Okay. How do I get the new body I want, but keep the old eating habits that I love? How do I get the preferred financial situation of being out of debt and have plenty for retirement, and also sustain my spending habits? How do I get the physical intimacy with my spouse that I, I desire, both quality and quantity, yet continue to catch every sporting event that I want to watch on TV, instead of relationally investing in my spouse? How do I get the new without letting go of the old. We do this constantly, don't we? I really want to be successful at school and in my future career, yet I also want to party every weekend and get to level 100 on Fortnite. Let's do it. I really want to have a healthy heart and cholesterol, but I also want to eat sausage three times a week. I really want to have new and close friends and deep relationships that I can share life with. But I don't want to go through all the awkward stages and the effort of the small talk and getting to know someone new, being a different kind of friend than I've been in the past. I don't want to pursue them, but I want them to pursue me. How do I get the new without letting go of the old? I want new family dynamics, but the same family schedule. New level of success at work, same cutting corners and minimal effort. New ability to thrive in life, but same addictions that master your life. We all recognize the reality that there is something new, something better, something over there that's worth your yearning for, desiring, hoping for a little taste of that. And you know, all know what that is for you. That picture of the preferred future, that vision of how you feel like your relationships, your work, your enjoyment of life to the full should look like compared to this. Because this reality, it stinks. It's messed up. It's jacked up. And that feeling of discontentment, it plagues every person in every street, on every house, in every age and stage in the history of all mankind. The ancient Greeks told the story about these two philosophers that every morning they would come up out of their house and one would you know, come out of his house and he would look at the world and when he looked at the world and saw everything he couldn't help but just burst out into laughter. Everything he saw, it was so incongruous, it was so com comic, comical. It just didn't make sense. The irony. The other philosopher would come up out of the house every morning and would look at the world and he would burst into tears, weeping. He saw the broken people, the harassed, the helpless. Couldn't help but sobbing. You see, both of these philosophers, they were looking at the same world, and they had both natural reactions. Laughter and tears. 
it's really a good description of the human experience. And yet neither of them are wrong in their reaction because both are looking at the world and saying, this does not really fit or make sense. One sees it as humorous, the other as heart-wrenching. But both are acknowledging the fact that what is going on here, the way things are, don't fit with how they could or should be. There was a new to yearn for. And you see, that's what Easter is all about. It's, it's, a, it's a glimpse. It's a sign, a foreshadowing of coming attractions. This is where the world is headed. You see, we as a church, we have been discovering God's heart for justice, which has helped reveal to us that what he is doing to make things right in the world. So as we come to the very end of the book of Isaiah, look at how Isaiah describes this, this God God's intent, his heart for what he is going to do and how he's going to bring about justice here on this earth. It's Isaiah 65, starting in verse 17. He gives us this glimpse. He says, see, look, behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem. It's another way of saying the place the city of God's people, to be a delight in its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more, O Lord, for that day comes. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Jesus says it this way in, in the vision that John receives in the book of Revelation. He says this, I am making everything new. This is the fullness of God's redemptive plan. It is to restore all the sin, all the junk, all the mess of this world here and now and to make it the way it was supposed to be. It's the eradication of children not having enough to eat. It's the erasing of the clean water shortage crisis. It's the enveloping of all orphans into wholesome, loving families. It's the restoring of every embittered person with a heart of forgiveness and grace. It is the redeeming of every victim of human trafficking to a full and free life. It's the reconciling of Hutus and Tutsis, South and North Sudan, the Bosnians and Serbs, the Black, the White, the Latino, the Asian. This is the world we are all yearning for because we all recognize we are missing something. That there's something incomplete with the here and the now. A few years ago in a smallish Austrian town, there was a music collector that was going through some old files in his attic. And he came across this old piece of music he had not really noticed before. And there was some, you know, uh, handwriting in the margins of the music. You could tell it was very old. And he thought, huh, this is an interesting piece. I'm not really focused on this. Let me take it to the, the dealer in town. So he takes the piece of music to the dealer in town. And the dealer looks at it and he goes, this is, this is pretty fascinating. And so he calls a friend that's kind of like an a expert. And the friend comes over. And when the friend sees it, he immediately starts getting excited. And he starts looking at through all the, the sheets of music. But then he starts getting a little confused and puzzled. And finally, the friend said this. He said, uh, this is Mozart. He said, this is an, a Mozart original. I mean, I recognize the handwriting, handwriting immediately. But what's fascinating, he said, is this. I've never seen this piece before. And they all standing there knew in the moment. 
This was an instant treasure, a new Mozart original. And so they get to the piano, and sure enough, the piano starts playing. And it sounds just like most, another Mozart piece. I mean, it's, it's lively, it's intricate. But yet there's something, I mean, it's beautiful. Yet there's something puzzling about this piece. Because every once in a while they'd be playing along, and then the piano would just kind of be keeping time. And sometimes the piano would stop playing completely, and they would just have bars and bars and bars of rest of nothing. And they slowly began to realize this, that this piece of music is incomplete. That this, this piano part was meant to be played alongside a, a bassoon or a violin or a whole orchestra or something. You see, it was frustratingly beautiful because you got just a glimpse, just a moment of what had existed at some point or what could be by just hearing this one piece. You see, the piano is indeed beautiful, but by itself it's frustratingly complete. But it is a taste. It is a shimmer, a glimpse of what the full piece could look like. Friends, when we stop and look around at this world, we see God's new world breaking into this old one. Every time someone tells you they've been sober for 14 years, applause breaks out. Every time someone yells that they are debt-free, you can't help but give them a high five. Every time forgiveness is offered to an estranged father, a tear comes to the corner of our eye. When the hungry are fed, the prisoner given dignity, the homeless provided shelter, and the orphan and widow are included and adopted into a family, we hear Mozart's piece play, and we know that it's a sign, it's a symbol, a foretaste of what God is going to do fully and completely on that day. This is what Easter is all about. It's a celebration of that moment when Jesus, buried in the tomb, defeated death and sin and hell on earth, and bursted out of the tomb, initiating his grand project to remake, redo, and renew all of this old world. It's a sign of coming attraction. And friends, we want to grab a hold of it. We want to bottle it up. We want to put a lid on it and keep it on those rainy days when men throw toddlers off of balconies. When military coups overthrow governments and when Amber Alert's still off on our phones, we want to grab a hold of the new and bury it and hold on to it tightly. We want to grab hold of the new, yet we don't want to let go of the old. Easter is not just about grabbing a hold of the new. It's also about leaving and letting go of the old. As Isaiah mentioned it in the second part of verse 17, chapter 65. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. You see, he's pitting the former and the old against the new. You can't have your cake and eat it too. God looks on favor with those who let go of the old in order to grab a hold of the new. You see, look, look at how God denounces those that just keep clinging on to the old way of life living it the way they, they've been living it for years and years. 66 verses 3 and 4, he says this, They have chosen their own ways, and they delight in their abominations. So I also will choose harsh treatment for them, and will bring on them what they dread. For when I called, when I beckoned, when I shouted out, when I invited, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. See, we all want the benefits of the new without giving up the familiarity and the pleasures of the old. Here's the reality I want to drive home today. 
You cannot grab a hold of the new while holding on to the old. I'm going to say that again. You cannot grab a hold of God's new plans for your life while holding and grasping and being enchained by the old way of life. You cannot grab a hold of the new while holding on to the old. Sam Chan said it this way in his book, Leadership Pain. He reinforces the reality that we have of this battle of, I want this new thing, but man, it hurts to let go of all of this old familiarity and comfort and pleasures. That sure looks nice, but this sure makes sense. And he says it like this. He gives us kind of a mathematical equation. He says, growth equals change, right? If you want to grow, that means you have to change. You don't remain the same when you grow. Change is necessary. But then here's the reality. When you change, that will equal loss. If I change the way I live my life today, even if it's going from being uh, uh, graduating from high school, I'm going to lose some stuff. Even though I'm growing, I'm becoming an adult, I'm going to lose friendships I've not seen in all the years since I graduated from high school. And guess what? When there is loss, and the goal for growth and change is that your gains outweigh your losses, but there's always losses. And when there's loss, there's pain. When we lose stuff, the familiarity, even when it's natural, it's, it's still painful. And so the result of this is that growth always equals pain. Sam Chan says it like this, you'll only grow to the threshold of your pain, to the pain that you are willing to endure. You'll only grow as far as that threshold. So let me ask you some questions. What are you today unwilling to let go of that's causing you harm? Why are you allowing it to keep you from grabbing a hold of this new life, full life, that God is offering you? Andy Law said it this way, unless you are prepared to give up something valuable, you will never be able to truly change it all because you'll be forever in the control of the things you can't give up. That's why we always celebrate Good Friday before Easter because all that old stuff, it's buried in the tomb. It's died, it's dead on the cross. It does not come out with Jesus when he comes out of the tomb. It's all dead. It's buried. It's gone. It's all, this is the new life. That's the former life. Karl Barth said it this way, only where graves are is their resurrection. A few years ago, Philip Yancey, a Christian author, was driving home from work in this winter storm, and his car hit this sheet of ice on the road, spun out of control, and this horrible wreck. He was thrown from his car, and he had a broken neck. When the paramedics come on, came onto the scene, they were able to quickly identify that his neck was broken in such a way that one of the bones could, at any moment, pierce an artery, and it would kill him instantly. And they strapped him to a board, and they said, just don't move. And as he sat there for seven hours in this excruciating pain, three questions just kept coming to his mind. Again and again and again, who do I love? What have I done with my life? And am I prepared for what's next? He said that pain has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Of clarifying what's ultimately most important. 
for those seven hours that finally took the doctor to say, you're going to be fine. He couldn't help but wonder, why did it take that extreme situation for me with this one life I get to live? To stare in the face, I mean, in the face, those three questions. To those ultimate questions I should be looking at every single day. Who do you love? What have you done with your life? And are you prepared for what's next? You see, the pain of these old things in our life, God uses to reveal to us that this, this thing, it is holding you back from what God's best is for you. Are you willing today, finally, to let go of that old way of life and to embrace God's fullness of life plan for you? Because remember, you can't take hold of the new while holding on to the old. So that's what Easter is all about, leaving the old, embracing the new. Look at how God concludes his message through the prophet Isaiah to these people who finally said yes, said no to the old and said yes to the new. Chapter 66, verse 18. And I, because of what they have planned and done, am about to come and gather the people of all nations and languages, and they will come and they will see my glory. I will set a sign among them, a sign And I will send some of those who survive to the nations. They will proclaim my glory among the nations as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord. So will your name and descendants endure from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another. All mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. You see, this is a worldwide thing. The fullness of God's justice is that one day through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the one who defeated death, and sin and injustice and ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, he will come back and set the entire world right. And we, his people, those that follow Jesus, we get to participate in that mission here and now, the work of justice, righting all the wrongs of society, restoring broken people and broken relationships, making things right out there and in here through the one up there, reconciling relationships with God and with self and with others and with creation. This is God's plan. This is what he is doing. Yet if you're like me, you get overwhelmed sitting here in Joplin, Missouri with that universal cosmic language of all nations, all wrongs, all injustices everywhere. I mean, these are the four corners, but they're not the four corners of the world. They're four corners of just four little old states in the middle of the country. Here's the reality. This Jesus thing didn't happen in the blink of an eye. It wasn't a movement that happened overnight. It began with overwhelmed, ordinary, sinful, messed up, jacked up people like you and me on Easter, taking one small step away from the old and towards the new. When Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples' response wasn't these broad, worldwide sweeping actions. No, no, no. You had women just going to anoint Jesus' body because that was the cultural custom. They were invited to look at the empty tomb, to go and tell the disciples, and they followed those simple instructions. The two on the road to Emmaus, they listened to Jesus teach from the scriptures. They were hospitable to a stranger. They ate a meal with Jesus. I could do that. Can I get an amen? They went back and told the other disciples what had happened to them. Peter and John, these just regular old ordinary fishermen, heard the report from the women, and ran to investigate themselves. They went back and told the other disciples, and then Jesus appears to them in the room. And what's their response? They touch him, and they say, yep, he's alive. 
Thomas, look what Tom, Thomas's reaction was. Thomas doubted. Can you do that this Easter? Can you doubt and ask for evidence? And when Thomas saw the evidence, he confessed his belief and submission to Jesus, saying, my Lord and my God. These are not larger than life revolutionary steps, but they were the beginning. They were the beginning of God transforming this world one step away from the old and towards the new at a time. And it all comes down to Isaiah 66, verse 2. These are the ones, he says, I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. John Ortberg, he tells a story of his friend Danny, who was kind of a thrill seeker. And Danny went spelunking, cave diving in these caves in Iowa. And he had this guide, and the guide told him, okay, uh, you know, what's kind of your risk? And he, Danny's like, oh, I, I'm all about it. You know, he goes, okay, let's take you to this beautiful, spectacular chamber. It's just incredible. But there's a, a pretty narrow corridor you have to crawl through to get there. And Danny's like, hey, I'm in, let's go. So they're spelunking, and they're crawling, and they're getting through. And they finally get to that narrow corridor, and it's pretty narrow, so Danny's kind of, he's crouching. And then as they go farther and farther, he has to get on his hands and knees and crawl. And then he's on his stomach, and he's doing the army crawl. And then it gets so narrow that he has to turn around his back. And the only way to move forward is to push with his feet one inch at a time. And then it got so narrow that he could not move when he inhaled. So he would have to exhale when his chest and his stomach go down. And when, I, when he exhaled, he was able to push forward another inch. And he said, it was at this point I began to panic. I think, only at this point? You see, Danny was a thrill seeker. Hang glider, rock climber, he did it all. But he was here in this moment. He said, all he could think of was, I can't go back. I can only go forward. And it's only one inch at a time. I can't see anything. He said, all I could think in my mind was my body being stuck, no food, no water for forever, and slowly deteriorating here in this cave. And finally, he said to his guide, uh, I'm kind of losing it now. I'm kind of starting to panic. And the guide said, Danny, close your eyes. Just listen to my voice. I've been here before. Just one inch at a time. Just listen to my voice. Trust me, I've been here before. There's a beautiful cave at the under end of the other end of this corridor. Just listen to my voice. And that's what Jesus is saying to you today. As you're taking one step away from the old and toward the new, it's a narrow corridor. It's a humble path. It's a contrite path. It's a path where you have to get down your knees and on the flat of your back and say, I bring nothing to the table in this transformation from old to new. I'm dead. I'm becoming alive. And I got nothing to do with it. And Jesus is saying, just close your eyes. Listen to my voice one inch forward at a time. But you can't, you can't grab a hold of the new while holding on to the old. So get down on your knees. Crawl till you're on the flat of your back. Humble yourself before God, confessing with a contrite spirit that the old life you have lived, the old things you have been trapped by, they have caused way more harm than good. And as you lay there trying to move forward, exhaling enough to get one more inch in what seems like a painful, dark, and scary corridor, listen to the voice of Jesus who says, Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. He says, Come, join me in the music of heaven, making all things new. Come, let go of just one thing from the old today. 
and take one step to the wide open new world that Jesus is inviting you into to partner with him in bringing about his full and complete justice, dealing with the causes and healing the effects of hell on earth. Come, listen to my voice. You can't grab hold of the new while holding on to the old. And so at the end of our time together, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to, all of us, what's one thing of the old that we're going to release? Everyone pull out your phones if you're not already on it. Um, and we're going to open up your internet, your Safari, your web browser, whatever it is, and go to menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com, and use this code 416969. And there's a question there that you can answer. What is the old thing that you're getting rid of to embrace God's new thing? And I'm asking you to submit one thing. This is totally anonymous, but I put mine up there. Hurried life. We're not going to track your phone numbers. We're not going to follow up with you if you post something on here. It's completely anonymous. So I'm asking you, what is it for you? Maybe this is the first time you've ever communicated in any way at any time in your life you've ever admitted, yep, that's holding me back. I ask you to put that up there. Because you're going to see other people who are dealing with the same junk that you are. Anger, doubt, laziness, idleness, patience. Nicotine. You're not alone. Friendships. You're not alone. Being too busy, that's me. You're not alone. Anger. You're not alone. You see, the, all of these things are, are the things that are keeping us held back into the, into the, the, the death and, and, and the ugliness and the smelliness of this old, wrenching world that we all live in, that we get sick and tired of, of seeing the headlines on the news. And you give, we ask with the, the people that cry in Revelation 6, how long, oh Lord, will these things, anxiety, anger, the doubts of trust, self, how bad, how long will these things keep us from the fullness of life that Jesus is providing for us today? Every single one of these is one inch that one of us in this room are moving from the old and toward the new. Maybe, maybe you need to do another step beyond this. Maybe today, your step of moving toward God, you need help. I'm going to invite our staff and our elders and our prayer team to get up and, and stand around the room. And in your worship guide, there's on the connection card, it says this, my one thing. Maybe you need to write that down. What a, staff, elders, let's go move. Let's go ahead and start moving. Prayer team, get up around the room. Maybe you need to write that thing down on that worship guide, that connection card. And you can check the box that says, hey, I need help with this now. Take it to one of our prayer team around the room, one of our volunteers. You can drop it off at one of these uh, giving boxes on the way out that has where your offering and your connection cards go. You can drop it off there. Maybe it's, uh, you, you can come, I'm going to go stand over this lightning bolt over here on the farthest north exit of the door come talk to me. We'd love to walk alongside you and help you overcome whatever this thing is that you that's keeping you back from God's fullness for your life. Maybe you can't 
even fathom talking to another human being right now. We're going to have a text number up here where you can just text someone, a minister on call, who would love to text with you and pray with you over whatever it is that's keeping holding you back. But let me end with these words from Mark Twain. He He said this, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the ones that you did. Don't, don't make that mistake today. Twain says this, so throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, and discover. Because you can't grab a hold of the new by holding on to the old. So during this prayer time, don't make the mistake of not making a decision today. Take it one inch of a step.